Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in a Friday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Some bad news as far as weather goes to start our program. We were so excited to go across the river tonight and uh, bring you a broadcast of the big male at Ballard rivalry game. And that game has been postponed to Saturday because of some weather in the area this morning. And uh, they mentioned maybe some more coming later in the day. I hadn't looked at a weather forecast recently, but unfortunately the big Louisville game we plan to step across and do tonight is uh, is not going to be played. It's been moved to Saturday night, a varsity-only game at 7.30. Of course, typically we cover Southern Indiana high school basketball first and foremost, so we'll go back to our Southern Indiana roots on Saturday and bring you the Jasper at New Albany game. But uh, a lot of stuff this weekend, a lot of high school basketball this weekend. And, of course, I think today basically is the final day. There's a, a trickle of games on the girls' side this weekend. I think today really is the final day of girls' basketball in the state as everybody will use Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to get ready for sectionals that begin at most locations on Tuesday. So a big week of high school basketball in advance of an even bigger week with the girls' tournament starting next week. And, of course, IU coming up on Saturday. They've got a nice road challenge at Maryland coming up that we'll talk a lot about today as well. The Hoosiers, if you look at things, and I tell you what, if you look at this record compared to last year at this time, Indiana 15-5 and overall and 6-4 and in the Big Ten Conference, IU 13-1 and at home this season and just 1-4 and on the road in uh, true road games uh, the 15 and five is inflated a little bit because of how uh, bad the non-conference schedule was. But six and four at this point of the season in the Big Ten Conference is very good, I think, for this IU team. And overall, even though some of the wins, the non-conference games came against lesser opponents, and I always talk about, you know, there just weren't many sexy opponents on the non-conference schedule this year out of a few. Uh, it's still a good record. It's still a record that I think shows momentum for this team and. Uh, I think maybe, just maybe, we'll look back in March if Indiana is able to sneak into the NCAA tournament in year one under Mike Woodson and say job well done to Woodson and IU staff who put the schedule together for stripping it down of some of these tough games. I think this is the path that IU needed to take this year. And it sounds like with Kansas and other opportunities that could be out there, the schedule will uh, stair step up in future seasons, which I think makes sense as uh, Coach Woodson gets his footing here back in Bloomington. But uh, an interesting year for the Hoosiers so far, and I think a really good week last week, minus the way the Michigan game went. It wasn't just that they got beat and got beat at home. It was the way that Michigan 
beat them, but Michigan shot the heck out of the three ball and really played a lot better than what they had in recent games. So, uh, and again, to bounce back and beat Penn State, not just edge them, but to beat them the way that they did at home earlier this week, I think is a big signal as well for this team. Xavier Johnson playing better. I, and it's crazy to say this, but I think one of the things to watch with this team is Rob Finnessy. Uh, he's had some better games. He seems to have a real relationship with Mike Woodson that's very beneficial to him. And with him having an injury of some sort, we don't know details. We'll probably find out more Saturday uh, if he's available, not available, on the bench, not on the bench. But uh, his return could be important, as crazy as that may sound to some people listening. Uh, he has definitely stepped stepped his game up just a bit. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just a few moments. We have our headlines, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. We'll go through the high school basketball schedule for the weekend, some of the storylines as well. And I'm really looking forward to the girls' tournament that starts next week. I'll mention that also. Uh, an update on Myro Little. Uh, a lot of you are intrigued by him, as am I. The Finnish, I guess that's the correct term, the Finnish recruit that Indiana uh, seems to be very much in the running for, thanks to... I think some effort from Dane Fife, but also uh, that big Purdue crowd and the victory for the Hoosiers. I think that definitely put them uh, in as good a position as they can be with this uh, with this foreign player. So we'll talk about him. Also, some good news for Trace Jackson Davis uh, here in the midseason. We'll tell you about that coming up and more here in segment number one. Later in the program on Fridays, we're joined by Dylan Wallace. Dylan's the sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. We'll talk IU basketball. We'll get ready for the Maryland game. And then uh, Dylan covered the New Albany Seymour girls game last night. And ironically enough, those two teams will meet again next week in the opening round of the Jeffersonville girls sectional. But Seymour beat New Albany on a last-second shot, so we'll get his play-by-play on that as well. Later in the show on this Friday program, Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star joins. Never a bad time to talk with Kyle about recruiting and top players in our state. And then a feel-good story for Friday. Uh, I didn't mention this, but Xavier Booker, who plays for Cathedral, I keep a close eye on on the Irish, primarily because Indiana very involved in recruiting him. Uh, they won the city championship, which is a big feat, a lot like the Marion County uh, championship is if you're from that part of the state. Uh, but the game ended with like 33 seconds left on the clock because things got a little out of hand between players, and I understand some fans, some parents as well. And the referee, who I know well, he just said, heck with this. This is not how we're going to end a game. Uh, it's too wild in here. We're going to end this thing prematurely. So Cathedral really not did not get a chance to celebrate their win. The teams exited the floor uh, and, and left quickly thereafter. Uh, however, uh, kind of a feel-good story. The coaches got together through some mutual contacts. And believe it or not, they reunited yesterday back at Tech High School. And uh, Cathedral got to celebrate their championship. The kids shook hands and had some conversations with each other, a big learning moment for those players, I think, in doing what is right. So I thought that was a really good moment. You hear really bad stories about AAU and even high school games, not always in Indiana, but in other places where parents are out of line or there's a fight or whatever the case is. But I thought the fact that uh, that these players got back together and were able to uh, to rekindle things was a good deal. So we'll talk with Kyle about that a little bit later in the hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their uh, dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can uh, dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well 
at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. All right, let's look at our headlines for today. Myro Little from Finland. He's been talking and doing the interview circuit now that his official visits to Indiana, Baylor, and Villanova are now over. I mentioned this earlier in the week. His mother, uh, who is from the States, I believe, but uh, lives in Finland uh, with uh, Myro and his father, she's been doing a lot of interviews as well, and it seems pretty solid that he is going to make his decision not until the spring, which is not uncommon, but he is going to continue to evaluate things. And it seems like he's pretty focused on his club season in Finland, which could potentially go all the way until April, depending on how they do, I guess, in their postseason structure there. So for those of you asking, uh, he had some really good things to say about Indiana. He had some good things to say about Baylor and Villanova as well. But here's a quote from a 247 story about Indiana. He said, quote, the game was crazy. The atmosphere, I have never been to a game like that. I think there were 17,000 people at the game, and I have never witnessed or been to a game like that or even close to it. It was an awesome experience. So obviously, as I said, as you expect, uh, the crowd, the Bloomington environment, the fans for that type of rivalry game are going to have a potential to make a difference in his decision. Obviously, Baylor's been one of the best in college basketball recently. Uh, NCAA champions recently. Villanova has always been good. They have the ability to uh, the reputation of developing uh, pro athletes, pro NBA players. So I'm sure that stands out to him from uh, Coach Wright and his program. But it does seem like from those that I've talked to uh, that Indiana very much in the running for Myro Little. So we'll see how his recruitment plays out. And it sounds like it may take into the spring until we know more there. Also, a good midseason honor for Trace Jackson Davis. We know the uh, unbelievable season that he's had so far. Uh, he was named yesterday one of 15 players that's been added to the 2022 Naismith Men's Defensive Player of the Year watch list. It was announced by the publication yesterday. Uh, he leads, Jackson Davis does, the Big Ten Conference with 56 blocks, and uh, he is joined on that list by a number of really, really good defensive players uh, and some of the best in college basketball. So a big honor for Trace just to be considered for that award, to be added to the watch list for that award, and uh, he definitely deserves that with the type of season uh, that he has had so far. There's no question about it. High school basketball tonight, uh, some really interesting games tonight and this weekend. I'll tell you what, and Greg Mingelt said this yesterday on the program when we were looking at some of the games on Friday and Saturday, you never thought in late January, headed into February in the Hoosier Hills Conference, that you would talk about a game involving Seymour being important for the Hoosier Hills Conference race. But Floyd Central plays Seymour tonight on the road at Lloyd E. Scott Gymnasium, and that really is a big game. Seymour has held their own this year in conference play. Uh, Seymour has had some big non-conference wins in high school basketball this season. They are just a different team uh, this year. There's no question about that. And at home, they've especially been good, and so Floyd Central will get a chance to take them uh, on tonight at 7.30. That will be an interesting game. Bedford North Lawrence is scheduled to play at Jeffersonville tonight, uh, the Red Devils may be without Coach Grants again tonight because of an illness. It's amazing all the negatives, the bad luck, whatever you want to term it, that has went on for the Jeff basketball program. There were some suspensions of Will Loving's Watts early on. 
a COVID shutdown. Coach Grants had bilateral pneumonia that was not connected to COVID uh, earlier in the season, and now the chance that he could possibly miss tonight uh, due to an illness as well. Just, just crazy what this Jeff team that's loaded with talent has had to overcome. And as they get back and as they get some more games under their belt, I do look for them to be a challenge when we get to the postseason, especially. Coach Grants texted me before the show and said that they should know around the noon hour if the Bedford-Jeff game is on. I understand from some people up just a little north of us that the roads and the weather uh, in a really short period of time this morning uh, worsened quickly. Uh, the interstate, in fact, was really at a shutdown <clears throat> a little north of here earlier this morning because of some road conditions. So, I'm expecting that most of the games uh, in southern Indiana will take place tonight, but uh, I would definitely check with your local AD, your local school, before you head out to a contest tonight. But a decision on Bedford-Jeff, if there were to be a postponement, uh, would come sometime right around noon today, we expect. New Albany goes on the road tonight at Evansville North. The storyline for the Bulldogs is that they've been playing better. Uh, Tucker Biven had a huge 32-point outburst on Saturday night in a classic double overtime game at the Doghouse as New Albany defeated Evansville. Wright's Jaden Thompson was huge in that game as well for New Albany. It's not just Biven. There's others stepping up, doing a lot for this ball club. Biven was named the IBCA Franciscan Health Player of the Week for District 3 yesterday, so that's a big honor for him. And he's within 30 points of 1,000 points for New Albany. And that list of 1,000-plus uh, point scores at New Albany is very limited, uh, and it's very impressive. And for him, a guy that's focused on baseball year-round, that's committed to the University of Louisville for baseball, that's a possible pro baseball prospect that could be drafted here uh, in three, four months down the road, for him to have the basketball career that he's had and score the points that he has without really a focus on basketball outside of the high school season is rather remarkable. So Tucker Biven will look to uh, narrow that margin, maybe overtake 1,000 points tonight down at Evansville North, and then he'll have another opportunity to do so when New Albany hosts Jasper, in which should be a really good even matchup on Saturday night at the Doghouse as well. Madison is at Silver Creek uh, tonight. We told you the storyline there is, yes, the Dragons uh, are, are the favorite in that ball game, but Madison's best player a junior named Caden Oliver has transferred to Silver Creek. He is immediately eligible, although we do not expect him to play tonight against his former school. Uh, his mother, his stepmother, uh, accepted a assistant principal job in the administration at Silver Creek High School earlier this week. And there is a bypass there if you're a family, if your mother, father, someone close in your family that you live with accepts an admin job at a school, you are immediately eligible. So Oliver. Uh, once he gets his practices in and once Coach Hoffman is comfortable moving forward uh, with him in the rotation, he is going, I would say, by sectional time to work in to be a real contributor for Silver Creek. So that's been kind of the surprising uh, storyline tonight, and we'll keep an eye on that tonight as Oliver, I'm sure, will be at the game with his new team, Silver Creek, as they take on his old team, Adam Stotts, a new Albany product in Madison at uh, in Sellersburg later tonight. Providence at Christian Academy, that's been a good game in recent years, although Providence, the favorite there, the Pioneers looking to bounce back after really a surprising defeat at the hands of Rock Creek last weekend, another 1A club 
Austin is at Salem tonight. A very good Brownstown Central team. Uh, Coach Benner's son at Brownstown is starting to get some looks. Indiana, Purdue, uh, becoming warm to him. They will play at Charlestown tonight. West Washington is at North Harrison. South Central at Henryville. Eastern Pekin at Springs Valley. Corden is at Paoli. Orleans, who I understand is very good in 1A this year and perhaps could make a run in the state tournament. They are at Borden tonight. Highlands Latin from over in Louisville. They play at Rock Creek tonight, and New Washington plays at Switzerland County. Of course, all of those are weather pending, so before you head out to a game tonight, make sure that you check with your uh, local school and have everything in line there. But some good high school basketball tonight, some great games on Saturday as well. We'll be at the Jasper-New Albany game on Saturday night with our pregame coverage beginning about 7.15 from the Doghouse on Saturday night. That's a look at our headlines for this Friday edition of the program. Uh, the Thornton's text line is open. i got to remember to remind you about that. 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. The Thornton's text line is where you can send in your questions and comments on the Hoosiers, local sports, Questions for the great guests that we bring you each and every day. Again, 502-414-1450. Don't forget Thornton's is the perfect stop for all the best pick-me-up items that you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts. A quick commercial break, and we're back with Dylan Wallace of the Seymour Tribune to talk IU basketball and the big road game at Maryland coming up on Saturday afternoon. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. All right, we're back here on this Friday program. The Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. A reminder as well that our planned broadcast tonight of the Mail at Ballard game, a big Louisville rivalry, lots of talent, two great coaches. We were excited to be there for the call. Lloyd Gardner, director of the King of the Bluegrass Tournament, was going to join me. That game has been moved to Saturday night, varsity only at 730 because of weather. And I'm seeing here over the commercial break that there have been some Southern Indiana schools, including New Albany, Floyd County, that just announced an early dismissal today. So that has me wondering what tonight might look like as far as uh, high school basketball. I just went through the full slate of games, but uh, not sure that it's all going to happen with uh, maybe some more weather expected to come in this afternoon. Speaking of high school basketball, Dylan Wallace, of the Seymour Tribune is my guest. And, Dylan, we're going to talk about IU. We're going to talk about this big game coming up on Saturday at Maryland. But you saw uh, quite a girls' basketball game last night. I saw your your uh, little video of the finish of the game. Seymour clipped New Albany at the doghouse on senior night, a last-second shot. And I think those two teams, they'll square off again early next week in the first round of sectional play. Yeah, they will. Uh, you know, one of those rare opportunities where you, you know, you play a team and then you play them again a couple of days later in the postseason. Um, it's like playing the NFL team in week 17 and you play in the wild card game or something like that, you know. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of crazy, especially because just on Tuesday, 
the Seymour girls lost at home off a buzzer beater to Charlestown. So they suffered a buzzer beating loss Tuesday and came right back Thursday and were able to, to win at the buzzer at New Albany. So pretty, pretty exciting game. And I imagine uh, it'll be come down to the wire once again on Tuesday. Um, so should looking forward to that as uh, you know, the girls sectional gets, gets underway next week. Um, and you mentioned, I hope, I hope the games aren't canceled this week. Floyd central and Seymour have a big game uh at at uh you know in seymour tonight so hopefully that game's still on so hopefully uh, we, we can get by with uh some of the games going on tonight dylan i've said this a few times this year and definitely last year as well but the job of a high school athletic director in the winter and i guess the spring as well but especially the winter for indoor sports with COVID 19 issues uh coming and going and then also with weather you just never know what's going to happen all the games that have been postponed and canceled and rescheduled. People are happy. People want you to do more. People want you to do less. People want to wear a mask. People don't want to wear a mask. Uh, the job of a high school AD in the last two years has become about 50% harder, I think. Yeah, it seems just ridiculously tough, you know, and there's a couple in our area that just that started their first year in 2020. So, you know, they, the first kind of taste of being an AD was kind of, you know, navigating through a pandemic and how all that kind of stuff would work out and you know we were hoping it wouldn't be as much of an issue uh this this upcoming winter season but obviously with the new variant you know a lot of games have been kind of canceled a lot of teams have gone on big pauses there's need to be rescheduled games and stuff like that and and now we're getting to the part where you know the weather's going to come into a play you mentioned uh, some games have already kind of had had that uh change for them so yeah they've got they got a lot of moving pieces to handle um, so yeah, they, they do a great job and, you know, as, as a, as a sports editor that, that covers schools, you know, I wouldn't be able to do my job without the help of, you know, athletic writers communicating with me and then, you know, informing me about all that kind of stuff. So yeah, very appreciative of them and their jobs are obviously pretty tough. Yeah, no question. Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. All right, before we get yelled at for talking too much high school basketball today, cause <laughs> I was on a tangent in the, in the first segment as well. Uh, let's get into IU, the Hoosiers, obviously with a big win over Penn State earlier this week. And uh, I use the word conviction and going away. That's how Indiana needed to win uh, the home game on Wednesday to show revenge to Penn State and to show that this team has taken some big strides. And I really believe they have. And Indiana did that. It was an absolute – I couldn't get the game turned on at tip-off. Uh, three, four minutes into the game when I turned it on, I felt like I missed the good part of the game. The game was over. Indiana rolled earlier this week against Penn State. Yeah, they did. I was actually in attendance for the game. Um, I, I know Michigan Northwestern was running a, a bit later with some late free throws uh, going into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, they went up 12-0 and then, you know, just only a couple minutes after that, the game kind of honestly just felt over. Like Penn State had no chance at all. Indiana was on defensively. Penn State couldn't hit any shots. Indiana was hitting everything they were throwing up from beyond the three-point line. Um, it just it, it really just felt like the game was over in the first 10 minutes, um, which was really awesome to see because I, I was, you know, I was with a friend at the game, and I told him like I don't remember a game where it felt this matter of fact. Like they came out and they're just going to win this game easily. They got it in control. They blew, they blew out a Big Ten team. Like I, I just don't remember seeing many games like this. You know, I, I know people mentioned the last one was uh, the Big Ten tournament win against Nebraska, and that feels like a really long time ago. You know, before it was right around when when the pandemic hit. So it does feel like a while ago, and uh, it was just really really fun to see. Um, you know, obviously the slow starts were, have been issues, you know, in the, in the Purdue game, especially in the Michigan game. 
And, uh, you know, they, they made they made a point of emphasis to come out and leave no doubt that they were going to be ready to play. Starting five has, has been under fire a little bit because of how they've come out and started games. They were on point on both ends of the floor and just really gave Indiana that big cushion. And they just kind of coasted from there. You know, I, I was oddly – I mean, it was kind of weird to see people so upset about the second half because, you know, when you're up, you know, 30 at halftime, it's it's pretty tough to just try to try to play like you were in the first half, you know. And they just had to coast, and that's what they did. They still won by 17, so I wouldn't look too much into that second half very much. Um, so, yeah, it was a really awesome win, and uh, this is another thing. You know, you got to hope that – the momentum and the confidence that this game created can carry you into uh, a winnable road game on Saturday. And, uh, you know, Maryland's playing a lot better as of late, though. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be tough. And he has never won in the Xfinity Center. Uh, Maryland's got some athletic guys. They played a little bit of small ball, five-out dudes. So it's going to be tough, but you hope this momentum can carry on. But, yeah, Wednesday was a really kind of get-right game. Um, and I don't know how many times you could say that in the Big Ten, that Indiana has been able to do that. So it was a really convincing win especially against a team that is pretty scrappy and, and beat Indiana already this season. So a really good response from them after that Michigan game. We've seen before how a lo- disappointing losses have kind of turned into multiple for this program. But now, you know, it seems like they've, they've bounced back really nicely. And you hope it continues because, uh, you know, you got you to keep the momentum rolling in the Big Ten. All right, uh, Dylan, I want to talk about Trace Jackson Davis for a moment before we preview the Maryland game coming up on Saturday afternoon. You know, Trace has been very, very consistent this year. And really throughout his time at IU, he's been the go-to guy for the Hoosiers. We always can count on the scoring column to list him. Normally in double digits, sometimes he just explodes with 20-plus, 25-plus points. And rebounding, he's always very, very consistent as well. That's something in the stat sheet. You can always plan to see him hovering anywhere from 8, 12, or even more rebounds certain games. But I think that sometime because of what he does offensively and defensively that we don't credit his, uh, I should say offensively and rebounding-wise, we don't credit his defense enough. And he leads the Big Ten Conference with a total of 56 blocks. Yesterday he was named to the watch list for the Naismith uh, Men's Defensive Player of the Year, which is a big honor. I mean, he's with the very best in college basketball on that list. I think it's great for him to get that recognition, and I think it's time uh, with that recognition coming yesterday to talk for a moment about what TJD does from a defensive perspective to help the Hoosiers as well. He's working hard on both ends of the floor. Yeah, he's been he's been awesome on defense, and that's probably the biggest area that his game has grown is just his ability on help side to, to come over and block shots. I think, um, you know, Woodson and I think Armand Hill have called it uh, the – the launching pad or the jump, something like that, where Trace can just kind of leave his guy and go up and try to block shots. And uh, he's 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 gotten really good at timing it. He's gotten really good at just being able to help it out his teammates and then kind of have that security blanket you know you have in the interior with Trace's D. Um, so he's been really good. And, um, you know, I think credit to him. You know, a lot of guys, you know, he's got a couple times in the Penn State game um, you know, the, a lot of couple guys will try to shot fake him, get him up in the air, and you know sometimes he falls forward a little bit. But I think for the most part, he's done a really good job timing things very well, being able to block a lot of guys' shots, and it's been it's been very impressive. You know, I know defense isn't all blocks, but just the the, the rim protection that he's provided this team has been huge, and it, it's been really kind of fun to watch. It gets the crowd fired up when he when he you know rejects a shot into the stands, or you know you hit it off the glass and you go the other way on a fast break. So. Um, it, it's really been fun to see, and uh, it's been probably the biggest area that he's improved is de- uh, on the defensive end. And, you know, he's also showed, you know, 
inability to switch out and, you know, when the shot clock's running down, switch out on the perimeter and kind of hang with the guards, you know. And I think that's, you know, that's the one thing that it's probably improving his, his NBA stock a little bit is being able to show an athletic kind of wing skills is switching out on guards, guarding the perimeter, being able to guard guys and, and block shots and all that kind of stuff. You know, the defensive side of the ball has been really impressive for him. So hopefully that keeps up. Um, he's been he's been great on that end. And the best part about him blocking all these shots and contesting all these shots is he barely commits any fouls. You know, Purdue game's sort of the exception. He got into foul trouble there and didn't play a whole lot. But other than that, I mean, he has done a really good job staying out of foul trouble, staying on the floor a lot, and, and with how many shots he blocks and how many shots he goes after and all that, to, to limit the fouls that he that he's been able to do that's 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 the really impressive part and uh, it's it's been huge for Indiana to, that he's been able to stay on the floor as aggressive as he's been on the defensive side so that just goes to show how good and how you know precision he is with with, with his shot blocking so that's that's been a big key for him and that the you know the award recognition being on that list was very deserving uh, as well so good good for him and he's having a great year on the defensive end and obviously on the offensive side of the ball as well all right dylan uh, dylan wallace the seymour uh, tribune sports editor my guest uh, let's talk about maryland coming up on saturday it's a 2 30 afternoon game a road game for the hoosiers and definitely a game that is winnable for this team if you look at maryland their ups and downs this season uh kind of unthinkable to see your coach depart early in the year and then Earlier this week, just across the river, we see Chris Mack depart from Louisville. Uh, and just you, you shake your head at some of the things that go on nowadays in college sports that just a number of years ago we would have found just hard, unbelievable. But Maryland is a team that seems to recently have been figuring it out. Uh, they've got two wins in a row after a couple losses in a row. They won at Illinois, or excuse me, they won. They defeated Illinois at home. Let me get that out right. And I think that was without Kofi Coburn, an 81-65 final score. And then they won on the road at Rutgers. And to me, that win against the Rutgers team is maybe even more at, at home at, for Rutgers on Rutgers floor is more impressive maybe than an Illinois win without Kofi because Rutgers has been dangerous in the Big Ten this year. So it looks like a Maryland team that Indiana is going to play on their home floor that maybe has settled down a bit and has figured out how to get a couple big conference wins in a row. So there's never a gimme on the road in the conference. And as I've read more about Maryland and looked at them a little closer this week, I think I feel like it's much more of a challenge. I thought maybe earlier this week Indiana would be able to go there and get the win and, and be favored to definitely come out with a victory. I, I think it's a much more tougher game than even what I expected. So your thoughts on IU Maryland and this road challenge coming up Saturday afternoon? I think it's going to be tough. Um, I don't. I don't necessarily have a have a good feeling toward this game at all. Um, just because. I mean, I know it's not the same Maryland teams that we're used to seeing, but it just feels like every time Indiana goes there, um, it, they've always had a tough time winning. I mean, obviously they never won there, so that, that's probably why. But uh, it just seems like Maryland's a team that gives Indiana issues sometimes. And I do agree that the Rutgers win was more impressive than the Illinois one because, yeah, Kobe Coburn didn't play in that game. Andre Curbelo played kind of limited minutes in that game, so two of their best players really weren't playing, so they obviously got that win. But winning at Rutgers, I mean, the rack has has been a you know kind of a really tough place to play in the Big Ten. You know, Rutgers beat Purdue there, they beat Iowa there. Um, you know, they they get a lot of wins at home. They, they rack them up. No, no pun intended at, at, at inside their home arena. And for Maryland to go on the road there and get a win, when just a couple weeks prior Rutgers beat them by eleven. At, in Maryland, and then Ruck, and so for Maryland to come back and win that game um, was pretty impressive. And they're, you know, they're, they're probably feeling pretty good and got momentum, and they're back at home on Saturday. So 
Um, I'm I'm a little nervous about this game just because again Indiana we know their road struggles. They obviously got one on the road against Nebraska. They haven't been on the road since then. So hopefully you know they they actually broke that ice as, as they've been calling it. So hopefully that that's the key. But I, I mean obviously Indiana's a more talented team. Um, but I'm just I'm just nervous about how it'll play out. I think Maryland, um, you know they they kind of got a big guy, so we might see a little bit more of Michael Durr. But I do think they they like to play a little bit more kind of five out style spread you out, shoot the three ball. Um, obviously, Eric Ayala is one of the better players. Dante Scott, I think, is really good. I don't think he's shooting the three ball as well as he had, as well as he did last year. But they got they got some threats, and they got some you know some athletic dudes on the wing who um, you just hope that Parker Stewart and Miller Cop are going to be able to kind of hang with them. Um, and we obviously still don't know the status of Rob Finnessy yet heading into this game. Uh, I think Mike Woodson's going to have a presser later today. If it's not happening now, at least later at some point today, and they'll probably ask him about Rob, and we'll see get an update there. But um, you know, I, I'm just going to go in assuming he probably won't play on Saturday. But so you know, we're going to have to see who's going to step up, what the rotations are going to look like, how who's going to you know play. Is, is Lander going to be available to play? All that kind of stuff. So a couple of moving pieces for Indiana that we're going to be interested to see play out. Uh, against the Maryland team that's playing a lot better. Um, I'm a little nervous for it, but, I mean, this is definitely still a winnable game, though. It's not it's not some daunting task that, that seems impossible. I think if Indiana plays really well, they, they get out to a good start again, um, and, you know, Trace and Race are kind of on their game, I think they have a really good chance to win. And, you know, it would be a great opportunity because if, if you're able to get this game, you get a whole week off before you host Illinois uh, at home next Saturday, and, uh, you know, you're lining yourself up for potentially three straight wins to – to get yourself in a good position in the conference. So this this is a big game, um, especially, you know, after dropping that Penn State game on the road. You know, this is a very winnable road game for Indiana that um, hopefully they're able to go out and just take care of business and get, you know. Uh, we, we don't want to see this program continue to go, you know, big win, tough loss, you know, you know, statement win against Penn State, easy cruising, and then you kind of take another step back with a road loss against the Maryland team that's, you know, had its ups and downs this year. So you're ho- hopefully they can string together some stuff. You know, that's always been the, the thing that this program has struggled is, is you know, end of January, early February, can you string together Big Ten wins? And uh, they haven't been able to do that as of late. Hopefully this team's kind of different, give, got a different demeanor to them, and they're able to go take care of business in the Xfinity Center tomorrow afternoon. All right, Dylan, uh, final question for you. Myro Little of Finland, for a guy that's not even on American soil, we've sure talked a lot about his game and who he is and what he potentially could bring to the IU lineup. Uh, this is one of those deals where you can tell by the effort IU has made. Dane Fife going to the country of Finland twice. Uh, Myro coming over to see just three schools, Indiana one of them. And now that the post-visits uh, interviews are taking place on a lot of the recruiting sites, it's clear that uh, that Myro likes Indiana and he loved the fans and the environment, as you would expect any recruit to say, after the uh, great IU-Purdue rivalry, especially when Indiana wins in the fashion that they did. Does Indiana, from what you hear, what you read, have a legit chance to land uh, Myro, given that he's uh, in competition, not not just Indiana, but Baylor, uh, who's at the top of college hoops right now, and also a really good program in Villanova after him? Is Indiana going to compete in this thing? I think they absolutely are, um, which is pretty cool to think about, you know, against the Villanova and a Baylor who are just really awesome programs right now who, who always kind of have pretty good guard play, especially Baylor. Their guards are usually always pretty good. Um, it was really funny to to see if you, like, look at his Twitter account and you go back to when he visited Indiana. So, like, a couple days or weeks earlier, he was at, I think, like, Villanova or Baylor, one of the two, and he'll be, and he'll, he tweeted, like, you know, oh, like, Baylor, what's, 
what's good i'm in town and then like the next tweet is like oh indiana like i'm in town and so there was nothing about the baylor thing and then after the indiana one there's a tweet like later that night the night of Purdue game he goes like this is crazy like because he you know you could he was in the building and he just kind of it was just kind of really funny to see him like tweet another thing about iu and just how crazy it was to be a part of that environment and kind of get that atmosphere that assembly hall brought to the table um you know, I, that, what better game to bring a, a recruit to and have him go on his visit there to, than uh, when you host Purdue, and especially when you beat him in that fashion, the students rush the court, and there's all this excitement, and the and the you know the energy's hopping. You know, that was perfect timing uh, for Indiana to get their first win against Purdue uh, for some of those recruits in the building. So I think that was pretty awesome, and uh, you know, this this could be a really awesome uh, you know potential recruit for Indiana. You know, he's he's six four guard uh, can really handle the ball. You know, I think he's got a really high upside. He's one of the top prospects in 2023. So um, I do think they have an actual shot. Um, you know, I know he's got down to his final three now. I don't exactly know when the decision process is going to come, but um, I, I'm kind of optimistic about any of his chances here, um, which is pretty wild to say, you know, considering the competition. But um, I'm, 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 I'm excited to kind of see if, if, he, if, if he does pick Indiana. You know, that's a big get for them. Um, and it just continues to show – how important Mike Woodson thinks sort of the guard position is, you know, he's, he's always talked in press conferences, how he's hard on his point guards. And that's, you know, the, the most important thing is, is getting good guard play. Um, and it's something the program is lack, but it's also something that, you know, this, this coaching staff has really tried to go and recruit. They, they're bringing in a lot of talented guards and, and wings and stuff like that. So it's been really fun to kind of see who they're targeting. And um, I'm, I'm optimistic about, you know, Miro Little's chances to come to Bloomington, and I think it'd be really awesome to, to see him in that uni- uniform, but uh, we'll see how it plays out because obviously the two other schools uh, going up against Indiana here are really good and, you know, really really can, uh, you know, make, make a lot out of him as well. Miro sounds a lot better than Miro, which is what I've been calling him since I I uh, saw his uh, interest in IU and vice versa. So we'll, we'll go with your uh, – your pronunciation. Oh, I might be wrong. I actually have no idea. I don't think I've ever heard. I could be wrong as well. I'm not sure. I think you're right. I think it's me that's wrong. But Dylan Wallace, sports editor of the Seymour Tribune. Hey, keep up the great work, man. Appreciate having you on Fridays, and we'll talk with you again next week. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Before we head to a break, I want to get to this text, good text on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Just an observation I was very glad to hear Mike Woodson sound much like his college coach, Coach Knight, and not being happy with our second-half defense against Penn State. Knight always spoke of playing the entire 40 minutes, and Woodson echoed the same thoughts Wednesday night, just something Woodson heard many times from the general. It's amazing. I agree, Texter. It's amazing the uh, references tonight and uh, the things that are similar at times as far as verbiage and different things but that's what happens when you play for a legend and obviously he's been a big part of Mike Woodson's life so uh, just nice to see uh, a Bob Knight connection and reunification in Bloomington and I'm hoping as the season goes on that maybe we see the general appear at a couple IU basketball games I thought that was very likely and possible uh, heading into the year based on coach's health but you just never know so uh, hopefully that uh, pans out here before the end of the season. He can see his former player, uh, Coach the Hoosiers, in this opening year of his career in Bloomington. We'll head to a commercial break. We'll come back with our final segment. Calden Deddenrip uh, of the Indianapolis Star joins us. We'll talk the latest in basketball recruiting. And I mentioned a feel-good Friday. That's where we'll start with Kyle uh, from a uh, high school basketball storyline up in Indianapolis with Cathedral uh, after a little scuffle there, a little rough moment in the city championship game. Uh, Stuff you like to see, positive stuff. We'll talk about that next 
here on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Back to wrap up the week here on this Friday edition of the program. Kyle Neddenrip of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. And, Kyle, there's plenty to talk about, but I've got to talk about a, a really a good moment that you wrote about, tweeted about earlier. Uh, you know, I ask you a lot about Xavier Booker and Cathedral. Cathedral came down and played New Albany. I know Coach Delaney well. He joins this program to talk recruiting and helps us out in the summer when he's on the road with all the Nike EYBL stuff. But uh, there was kind of a rough moment in the city championship game. The game actually ended with 30-something seconds left. Uh, some players got into it. Some fans got into it. Uh, the referee, a longtime official in our state, Chris Shields, who does a lot of big games, he said that's enough, and he called the game with I think it was 33 seconds or so left. Uh, but the teams, even though that ended bad, the coaches got back together. They uh, brought the teams together on the floor at Tech High School where the game took place between Cathedral and Tech yesterday. And uh, Cathedral got to celebrate their championship, and it looked like a good uh, get-together to kind of solve things and remember that uh, you got to act correctly on the basketball floor, especially in our state. Yeah, it was, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, you know in a, in the moment that it happened uh, Monday night, you know, and, and this the city championship's always kind of a special night. It's a Monday night; it's the only game in town, really, or the game in you know very few other games, at least uh, going on on Monday night. So, you know, and this year especially, it was really um, you know really good crowd. You know, two good teams that we thought were going to be in that game, and and it was uh, you know. Re- you know, uh, uh, typical of a rivalry game, there was, you know, emotions running high and, and, uh, you know, there's some talking, obviously those kids, a lot of them know each other, even on the other side of played against each other and, and, and with each other, uh, the coaching staffs are intertwined somewhat. I mean, Delaney was, you mentioned him, he used to coach at tech. He won a state championship there. And, uh, Andre Wright, who's on his staff at cathedral also coached at tech and, and also on the tech staff, there's coaches who've been at cathedral. So, a uh, very intertwined game, um, and you know, unfortunately, at the end of the game, you know, there was intentional foul. Uh, it wasn't the most egregious foul I've ever seen, for sure. But you know, the momentum was taking Jackson Edwards to the basket. He goes down on Reggie Bass's foul, and then you know, it was pretty much over. I think, and I talked to Chris Shields the next day. Um, you know, the referee you mentioned, and you know, he, they really felt like that was going to be it, and they assessed the. An intentional foul and then you know cathedral would take the ball in bounds and that would be that but then the assistant coaches started uh kind of going back and forth and that's when you know shield just called it you know and i thought in the moment was uh you know it seemed kind of fast in the moment but then i watched it again and it made a lot of sense to go because the crowd was starting to get you know the the you know some of the parents and the crowd was starting to get a little bit uh you could feel that you know you can feel it sometimes where the 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 it's a tinder box you know about to go and that's kind of what it felt like um especially as I rewatched it again so you know I think it was the right decision um you know there was no 
punches thrown. There was no players who left the bench. You know, fortunately, uh, there was no, you know, real fight. It wasn't even a fight. It was more of a, you know, just a, well, I don't even know what you call it, an incident or something. But, um, but yeah, I thought really good. Uh, and Tony Leach helped, uh, you know, make this happen last night. And, and, you know, honestly going into it, I thought, well, I mean, this may, this seems a little contrived or, you know, a little, you know, I don't know, you know, so going into it, I was a little bit leery, but after it, you know, listening to what Delaney and Damon Turner had to say, you know, Tayshawn Comer spoke, um, Reggie Bass spoke, uh, the referees were there. Rob Juan, who was another referee who was in the game was there along with Chris Shields. You know, they, uh, said a little bit, uh, the, the assistant coaches who were actually part of the argument were, were both, uh, both talked. So, you know, all those things I thought, and then Cathedral cut the nets down and took pictures and the teams took pictures together. And, you know, they were able to, you know, no parents were there. It was just the teams and the coaches and the administrators pretty much. And, you know, honestly, I thought it was good closure and step forward uh, to a situation that really was left open-ended and kind of ugly on Monday night. So, you know, good for them. I mean, honestly, it's it wasn't the biggest thing in the world. I know the IHSA looked at it, and then, you know, there's really no – uh, sanctions or anything like that that go with something like this but you know other than to say don't you know this never needs to happen again or you get you know you will be ousted or whatever the case might be so you know it, it was a good thing I think a good learning experience and I think really you know when a rivalry ramps up that high sometimes you need a reminder that hey it's it's about the basketball it's not about you know posturing and those sorts of things. And, and as hot as that rivalry can be, it's one of the hotter ones around uh, in our city anyway. And, uh, it, and that's a good thing. You know, you want that passion to be there, but you, you can't let it manifest in an ugly way like that. So I think just a good, it was a good scene last night. I came away feeling good about what happened there. Hey, uh, we've only got a couple minutes left, but I want to, I want to stay with this because you said something key there and I'm determined to always recognize the good in Southern Indiana sports or Indiana high school basketball or whatever we're covering that's relevant to this show because there's so much negative these days. And our state's been blessed to not have uh, – there have been some situations, but not be situations that there have been elsewhere in other states or in some of the travel ball stuff that's completely gotten out of hand. But you said something that gets me going sometime, and – Kids are going to be kids. Kids are going to make mistakes and get hot-headed at times. But often it's the adults, whether it's coaches, but especially parents and fans in the stands that can ruin mm-hmm. it for the kids on the floor and can set a bad example. That's a, that's a topic I could go on for a while, uh, even here in youth leagues and high school games and other things. Parents, time they're truly the culprits in a lot of this. Absolutely, and I think that's where, you know, Jason Delaney even said it in the article, you know, he, you know, this is a reminder that I have to be a mentor for my own staff and not just the kids, you know, because so, you forget some these assistants are not long out of, you know, their mid-20s or, you know, pretty young still, too, and I think there's a mentorship that needs to go on there, too. Now, you, you can't dismiss, you know, adults acting childish, and that's what happened. I mean, honestly, that was the biggest uh, you know, if you want to pass blame, that's where it lies is with some of the assistant coaches and how they acted. But, you know, and again, it's, it's, you know, was it the biggest thing ever? No, but the way you act as a coach an assistant coach that directly correlates to how your crowd responds. And you see it with, you know, coaches who will complain the whole game, the, the crowd complains then, you know, <laughs> so it has a, it has an effect on everyone else. And I, I think that sometimes it probably goes 
uh, unnoticed or not talked about enough. But, you know, I, I think that's probably something that needs to be addressed at times and, you know, how your response will uh, cause the whole gym to react. Absolutely. Kyle Nedenrip of the Indianapolis Star. Kyle, thanks for the good chat here. Good story as we close out this Friday show. Back with you Monday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.